I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. Yeah, good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really well yourself. Marvellous. Marvellous, good. And we've also got Bradley Todd. Bradley, welcome. Hello, mate. Yeah, thank you for coming on as ever, mate. We uh, appreciate you joining in. Uh, we're going to try and make it uh, a little bit more regular as we can when you're available. Um, and we're looking forward to doing it this week. Yeah, always enjoy coming on. Good, good, yeah, good. Let's have them. Let's look at the Dubai Championship, which I don't know, is it Aviv Dubai Championship? They've changed it from last year, haven't they, to, from Golf in Dubai yeah, it's Championship. Like a name. It has, but it is the same event as last year. It is the same course as last year. I've got to be honest, uh, Jason, I can't remember how much you know of this event. I, I kind of blocked it out a little bit, apart from the fact that Rosner kind of stole it from an Andy Sullivan that stuttered on the final day after opening with a 61. Um, but I can't, apart from him making a lot of birdies and bunches down the stretch, I don't remember too much about it. Um, the only thing I remember is thinking Sullivan was an absolute knock for Sunday. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he couldn't do a... I mean, really, he was just very, very average. Um, yeah, it was Nick's. It was Nick's, you know, and um, Tel Aviv. Um, yeah, it was. It was, It's what it is, isn't it? I mean, we know what it's going to be. Um, it's a very open desert course. Um, off the tee, if you have a look, Rosner was first, Wally was sixth, I think the Porter was sixth, blah blah blah. Tee to green, I mean, it's just it's just quite easy really. Yeah. Uh, bosh it down there if you can. I don't think that's necessary. That obviously helps. So smash it down there, have your irons, you know, hit the, the dinner plates, the greens. Um, obviously, as you said, Sullivan hit 11 under 61 in the first round, but you know he has done he has done that many times before. Um, tee to green. You know, if, if you're high up in that, you'll do very, very well. Um, as long as you don't do anything silly. Um, I'm a well, I'm not amazed. Obviously, Peters came out, but uh, I listened back to last year's. Um, see, the pain is real. I listened back <laughs> to last year's um, uh, preview of this on the podcast, and uh, we actually said that Peters was easily a clear favourite for it. We couldn't back him at the price. Um, and just, just very, very quickly, nothing to do with this event. Um, Tom sarcastically said, huh, yeah, and Richard Bland's going to win in 2021. So, um, <laughs> Called it. You know, I can't remember what the phrase is, but, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, um, it, uh, it so, yeah I mean, look, look it, it, you know, it is what it is. Quality iron players, you have to putt. Uh, and if you want to bosh it, it all helps. So, it, it, the market's quite interesting this week, I think, over there. Um, it certainly is. And, uh, and what they're saying. Um, but, you know, hey-ho. It's interesting as well because the, the Ollie Inwards points out to us, one of our loyal listeners, that the one week I decided to retract my top Mexican shout of uh, Abraham answer over Carlos Ortiz, Carlos Ortiz actually finished second to answer seventh. So maybe I should stick by my convictions. I was wrong about Richard Bland, um, which is even more heroic, the fact that he's had a career year on a torn knee. So uh, interesting to hear more of that. Um, but just as we're looking at the top of the market here, Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood are joint favourites at 11 to 1. Bernd Wiesberg are at 18 to 1. Matt Wallace and Minwoo Lee at 25s. And then it's 33 to 1 and bigger the rest. Uh, Brad, first of all, any of the, the top sort of five or six stand out to you? Wiesberg definitely did appeal initially. 
Um, I don't think I could go to Casey or Fleetwood. Wouldn't surprise me, obviously, their quality. But, um, yeah, Viesberg has just been playing pretty consistently well for a while now. Um, it's kind of love him always for birdie fests. Um, did well here last year, but I haven't taken him. It sounds like I'm about to say I've taken him, but I haven't. But um, <laughs> he did. I saw 18s initially when he um, when the odds dropped, and uh, there was a bit of interest there. And then I think he um, shortened to 16s. And I'm not. Oh, it's not really. I don't. I never, as you probably see with my the bets I put up, I rarely ever go that short anyway. But yeah, no, I couldn't get there. But he was the one out of the. The favourites and the top of the board that I thought I could possibly get to, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, he was the one that appealed. Yeah, I mean, to me, Jason, when I look back at Paul Casey's record just at the European Tour isolated, I went back to kind of like 2015 just to get like 12 events. So that shows how very little he comes over here now. Uh, but there was only one miscut in that time and generally finishes inside the top 15 or better most times. So he is he is the top quality in this. I think he's actually clearer of Fleetwood than uh, the market suggests. I know Fleetwood's obviously picked up in form recently, but I think the win equity uh, is better in Casey. But was there anyone else for you at the top of the list? No, I agree with you there. I, I absolutely agree. I think you've got issues with in terms of Beesberg. Yeah, I agree. He's very high up. His Tita Green stuff is um, double figures. I think four times since June um, in in strokes gained. But we've seen his short game uh, and uh, his putting just stinks. Um, and that's a worry at that price. I agree, Casey, but I don't know how motivated he is to win this over sort of you know, next week. Um, I thought I'd never back him, but I thought Dietrich um, could be. But well, Dietrich is just Thomas Peters, but with a different name, isn't he? Um, <laughs> they play very similarly, don't they? Um, you know, and they all have, they both have the same issues, which is uh, their short game when it's not right. So he could be inspired. Um, uh, do you know what? Uh, I, it, it, despite the fact we're not, we're not backing any of them, I could, I could see like a top ten where sort of four of these are, are placed quite easily, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it slightly more difficult. Yeah, Lee obviously loves loves a bit of uh, open open calls, gives it an absolute smash, and, and he's a confident putter. Yeah, so yeah, I'd worry about putting for Fleetwood, putting for Beesberger. We don't put Matt Wallace up anyway, but I don't see why. I couldn't argue if you wanted to back him. Dietrich does look short in comparison with those type of players. But again, he's coming back off a couple of great performances over the other side. Um, again, is he over here just to sort of have a little bit of a warm-up with a coach or something for next week? Really difficult. I've left them all alone, but but yeah, if you want to, if you want to show me the leaderboard at the end of four or five of these are there, it's no surprise. I did think you might be tempted with Mimu Lee after sort of the messages that we'd kind of exchanged during the weekend, but... I'm kind of leaving him alone for the start of next year, just waiting for the value to kind of come back on him a little bit. Might be mm. hard if he has two good weeks now coming up, but Middle East, maybe the, the form's not been quite as good, despite the fact he had that Saudi Open or Saudi International effort. But for me, I dropped down to the 33-1 to mark, and uh, I know Brad did as well, but it's a different golfer. But Dean Burmeister, for me, was, was the first on my list, and... It's kind of parallel to what George Coetzee had done last year. He kind of won that South African event on the Sunshine Tour mm-hmm. and then came uh, came to the Portugal Masters. And I think Dean Burmeister can do the same. I mean, yes, it's hard to, to see anyone win back-to-back. Yes, it's even harder to see Burmeister win back-to-back. But he seems a kind of rejuvenated golfer. Um, you know, he was seventh at the Dunhill Links, you know, recently. When he won in Tenerife earlier in the year, he followed up with fourth and sixth-play finishes in his next two. 
It's got a third in Dubai Desert Classic, two top fours in a DP World Tour, seventh Abu Dhabi, eleventh Saudi. So he loves this kind of part of the world. Yeah. Um, I think he's the type of golfer Jason just mentioned there. Whether they're um, you know motivated to win this event or it's a warm up for the DP World Tour, I think he's still the type to go into every single event thinking win first and, and do whatever he can. And uh, a 33 to one, Brad. I thought there was some juice in the price. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As I said to you earlier, I think he's someone that uh, he appealed to me as well. And uh, with them fairways as well, you know, he's off, strong off the tee. And yeah, coming off that win last week, and uh, I was quite sad about that win last week because I had the <laughs> se- second place 160 to one Peter Moulman. So yeah, I was a bit uh, a bit upset he showed up there last week. Um, but um, I think yeah, there's definitely a. Uh, Good, yeah, I quite like him there for this week. Yeah, strong scorer, isn't he? Goes low, you know, it's mm. right in his wheelhouse. But um, you fancied the the Spaniard Rafa Cabrera Bello as well recently. Yeah, no, my headline pick is Mr. Cabrera Bello. Um, not someone I usually back to be honest, but um, yeah, after a couple of underwhelming performances, he sort of marked his return to European Tour with a bang. Yeah, he won his National Open and uh, had a steady finish at the Valderrama, finished 21st. So, uh, yeah, and on top of that, he's got a pretty impressive record in this part of the world. Won the Dubai Desert Classic in 2012, runner-up there in 2016, finished in the top three at Qatar Masters on three separate occasions, and most recently a fourth-place finish at the Abu Dhabi Championship this year. So, you know, he loves it in this part of the world. And uh, one of my favourite swings in the game, I could just literally watch him swing a golf club, all the time. I just recently just fell in love with it again after watching him at the Madrid Open. Um, but yeah, he's he's never won more than once in a calendar year. So I'm hoping that can change this week. I yeah, think, he, he, he appeals for me. He I think that's the me. thing, isn't it? I think that at his peak, we know he's very, very good on this tour and reasonably competitive on the PGA Tour at times and, you know, has flashed in majors and things like that. So we know that at peak form, he is, you know, top of the tree here. And if it wasn't so long between, you know, the victory at the, the Open D Madrid and the one before that, um, you know, I, I think we'd be seeing him at 18s and 25 to ones as well. So, mm-hmm. I guess Jason, on that, it depends whether you think that Rafa Guerrero's back and and he's back to what he was doing before, or whether it was a right place, right time for him. I guess. Uh, do you know what would he have made more interest if he'd have been second, which is what he should have been, obviously. <laughs> home open um i wish he was as well i had on that well, yeah. <laughs> well yeah but i mean there, there's there's a play you just can't have is there on Mouse. i mean you just can't no. have it one um, of these days will be on him well yeah one day he's going to fall over the line but he, he doesn't have a clue does he but anyway but he's not playing this week so it doesn't matter um don't see why not you go back to cabrera Bow's peak of his of, of his form it's it's top grade isn't it um don't know. Is he back? It must give him confidence. Look what look what the win did for Richard Bland. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it'd be interesting to see how how Jeff Winter sort of carries on. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not expecting him to win again, but just to see his consistency. So you know, wins can do funny things for people. Um, he's now he's now back out of Spain, coming over desert. He loves it, doesn't he? Really? Yeah. He um, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? If he's back to form, fair enough. He's not for me, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, not everyone can agree on everything. <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, Brad's got another forty to one pick, and we've got a consensus fifty-five to one pick between us. Jason, have you got anything before those two? Uh, I'm I, I, I'm going to say Sam Horsfield. 
Okay. We all, we've all got one of the 33 to ones. We're all yeah. worried about what they do on the green, <laughs> to be honest. With you. I mean, just a Burmy, you know, I'm a massive fan of Dean Burmy. I do. Yeah. yeah. He, he's the most aggressive putter of the three. Um, I, I, I really, really love Burmester. And I, I actually don't think in about eight years of following him that I've ever backed him when he won. Um, but I, I love him. I love his attitude. And, and yeah, you you know what? You make a case. I, I'm just concerned that he wins twice. He was so happy winning last week. And, uh, mm. You know, he said he's playing golf to support his family and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I, I just wonder whether four days, five days later is, is not enough time for him to get over it. Um, it would be quite interesting at a bigger price next week. So Sam Horsfield, we all know what his problem is. He just, for some reason, he just cannot put a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's a struggle. I think he's had six top tens this year. It'd be really disappointed that he hasn't won. He's had chances in every single one. Uh the legend says that he ruins, you know, he messes up on a Friday. But quite frankly, we've seen him miss putts every single day of the week. His tee green game is spot on. It has been for a very, very long time now. His irons are great. Um, it's, it's last year was pretty disappointing. You know, basically turned up top fifty. Um, I, I am looking at thirty three and just wondering. I, I can't work out whether that's big because he's been shorter recently. Yeah, or short because he can't mm. up. Um, and, and really, you're just betting on whether the putts go in. And on recent form, you'd worry. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't know. He's on. He's on the list of possibles. And uh, but I, as I talk to you, I'm changing my mind quite honestly. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's one of those ones where if if he had done something, you know, massive. Uh, on on the golf course in the past, or he, you know he was uh, you know an elite player in the Middle East or anything like that, uh, and you had kind of pointers that his putting would improve. I mean, I know he's got that tied 12 finish in Abu Dhabi, so he's got some signs there. But there's not a massive bank of form, not because he's not good there, but just because he's not played that many events over in that part of the world. Um, yeah. If it was that, I would say you know you know he's going to find a pattern stroke, and he is going to find a pattern stroke. Like he did it well twice last year. Um, he has the potential to be probably top five player in this field. I would say maybe even top three behind Casey and Fleetwood. So if you're bet if you're betting on the out on the upside of Sam Horsfield, then thirty three to one is very very good. It's just whether yeah. you can play that off. Jason I just think Russell. a lot of people are sort of losing their patience with him a bit, aren't they? Which so, is normally yeah, when but... they win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, sorry. I mean, the thing is, you could look at someone like Peters who drives around the absolute bend. Yeah. yeah. yeah? But there's a point whereby you have to say, okay, this is now as perfect a chance. I, I haven't been on, so I know, for example, someone like Ben, who's backed him like five times probably this year. Mm. You start getting really frustrated. So I, I've, I think it's only once I've been on this year. So I'm not quite as annoyed with him as you possibly could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you played this 33 times, you'd have a place payout quite a lot. Um, and I look at somebody like him or, and somebody, say, like Andy Sullivan, for example, who obviously we know can go low and who loves this sort of test and, and the Portugal form. And he was second last year, but he's completely out of form. So you just weigh it up. If it's Sullivan, you're taking, for example, an absolute flyer. I mean, yeah. you've no idea. You've no idea. I mean, he looks completely gone at the game to me. Um, but he does love this type of test. Um, do you look at him at 60-60, for example? Or do you look at someone like Horsfield that you know whose tee green game is absolutely spot on at the moment? And it really wouldn't surprise anybody if he won. Um, and that, that's where I am. I, I, he's, he's right on that. But, but then what price can he be? You can't make him 40, can you? 
That's nonsense. Well, um, I think I think he, of the three people that we we've all put, like you said, we'll put up a thirty-three to one shout. And of those of three, if you if you ask me at the end of their careers who's going to have the best one, it'd be Sam Horsfield, even yeah. knowing what Cabrera Valo's already got in the bag and still has time to do. I'd agree with you. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Sam Horsfield would be the well, best. Sam Horsfield's ceiling is massive. Yeah. And it's like it is absolutely massive. Like, yeah, see of him as even a future Ryder Cup player like I do I still do I just it just needs to be like that you just need to get it right with the flat stick a lot of it is there you know he's such an aggressive player he was gonna you know he goes for pins and he pulls off shots out of nowhere you know he's gonna it will click eventually but it's just uh at the moment it's just pretty bleak watch because you can see how much potential there is but yeah Tom, Tom can I suggest if you're back in Burmaster you hurry up because uh what <laughs> He's going off closer at 20 at the moment. It's uh, the thing uh, with with Horsfield is I think that he got those two wins last year and, and kind of fulfilled the potential that has been spoken about since he was like 10 when he shot 59 million pole or whatever it was that he done. And, mm. you know, it was kind of a I've arrived moment. And all of a sudden he's probably self, you know, probably self-imposed a lot of pressure on himself, went and started off really well at the PGA Championship and then shot an 80. Like, it's just not mm-hmm. quite maybe gone this year how he'd expected. He probably thought he'd get a few PGA Tour starts, play well there, etc. So I think he's probably looking at it as like a disappointment and every week he's kind of like, I need to win again and maybe yeah, just yeah. too much pressure and, and that would be the, the worry for me. But Brad, the next kind of person up near the best thing is Victor Perez. Um, mm-hmm. We spoke about him uh, via message uh, saying that, you know, it, it was pretty impressive what he did. He bounced back with his, was his uh, four over through seven holes. On yep. Thursday, he, he said he was four over through nine, which I thought was generous for him. Um, four over through seven and bounced right back. And, and you know, you, you can't just take four bogeys off of someone's scorecard. It's ridiculous. But a, a, a steadier start would have certainly seen him in contention last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that was his debut last week at the Portugal Masters. And he, he hasn't been in good form at all, has he? I think it's fair to say since the match play, he's just been in poor form. I hate to see it. Like he's one of he's one of my favourites, and uh, I was thought and was hopeful he was going to be achieving a lot more this year. But yeah, that being said, as you just said, he's he's recovered really well after a, like a dreadful period on his first round, and yeah, he closed with a 65, shot two 68s in the middle. I mean, he's finished in a tie for eighth, and that was just enough for me to just jump on him this year. Uh, this this week, sorry. Yeah, and he's got, he's got all the signs as well. Sorry, he's got all the signs that on this part of the world he shows up, hasn't he? Like that finish fourth and thirteenth, Saudi International, second place in the Abu Dhabi Championship, sixteenth Dubai Desert Classic, and a second even on the Challenge Tour at that Raz Al Kamar event. So yeah, it may, he makes a lot of sense, and I'm excited to give him a go. I think he's another one like Horsfield had such a good year or two leading up into the pandemic and around the pandemic where. It was all going right. Like he was going to get in the Ryder Cup. Like it all looked really, really good. He was in Wiesberger's spot, etc. Um, and then as that slowly started slipping away, you know, later on in the year, a lot of pressure was on him to try and get that last pick, force it. Didn't do very well at the, at the PGA, where he's obviously, um, you know, finished second before. He then went into the downhill links after the Ryder Cup. Again, struggled, missed cut. Um, and I think he's now just going to get the chance to kind of put that back in the rear view, finish off strong in these two events. Um, and go into 2022 with a renewed confidence. Um, the next two for me, both are kind of 50 and 55 to 1. I'll go with the first one that I've done in isolation, unless Jason's on him as well, uh, was Jockin B. Hansen. 
Um, his price has gone a little bit shorter than it was. He kind of opened up 60, 66s. He's now down to 50s. But I think for good reason, you know, he's hitting the ball incredibly well. Um, ball striking has just been superb, and it, and it feels like a little bit of a trap. But he's got six top 25s in his last seven against one missed cut. And I thought on, you know, kind of first viewing that he didn't have a great Middle Eastern record, but tied ninth in Qatar earlier this year. Sixth in Amman was good enough for me to... Uh, to take a chance, Jason. Any thoughts on JB Hansen? I like Hansen. That's what he wants. Um, I'll be honest, he isn't for me. Sweet. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's another one. You know, it's, sometimes you get these weeks where it's hard to argue. Um, if you take, if you consider that the top three, you know, may not be here to necessarily put it all in. Um, it's, it, uh, you've got that reason. I mean, we've done it last few weeks, haven't we? We've, between that sort of 50 and 80 to 1 margin there's an awful lot of um cases that can be made so um, yeah like i say i'm not arguing with you mate um because i can't i i think like you say there i could i could make a case for for virtually every single golfer now up until the 80 to 1 mark maybe even even 100 to 1 in some cases so it is a very hard list to whittle down but brad we agreed on grant forrest uh mm-hmm. you first me falling in since he's won the Heroes at a third and two top 27s, including a tied 22nd last week, he was sixth here last year when he probably didn't have the confidence to push on any further. I would say he's probably a fair assessment, like he was 66 and 68 through two rounds. Um, obviously, Andy Sullivan's good start put him chase him, but a 70 in the third round probably stalled him. And then he had a flying 63 in round four. I believe, I'm almost certain that was the round of the day. And if it wasn't, then someone else had a very good... Yeah, it was by one from uh, from Antoine Rosner. Um, I thought that was very impressive. And now he's obviously a winner as well. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think he's probably my favourite pick of the whole bunch this week. And based off value, I just... Uh, not just off of his finish last year, but he's also got quite a few finishes elsewhere, which suggests... Um, that he might enjoy this kind of uh, course in this part of the world. You know, the tro- Sitford Trophy has earned a top 10 in Oman, 16th Omega Dubai Desert Classic, and a top 10 and the uh, Raz Al Kamai Challenge Tour final. I'm going to totally butcher that. I can't <laughs> believe how well I've actually said that. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, he enjoys playing this part of the world. And, you know, he hasn't really missed a cut since, well, he's, has, he's missed only missed one cut since, um, since winning the Euro. Hero Open, sorry. So, you know, he's re- in really good form and uh, he does love to finish. Like, you can never rule him out. Like, even if he's, like, six or seven shots back, he finishes, like, Sundays just really well, as you said, final round uh, last year, 63. But he did that recently. Was it in Madrid when I was on him? I just, like, didn't even think he had a chance, even of returning. I don't know what he closed with. It was something six, silly. Yeah, he shot 65 and he ended up two shots shy of uh, winning. Exactly, yeah. And um, so you can never rule him out. And I think he just does suit a birdie fest. And uh, this is exactly what it's going to be. He was ranked 50 to green in the field last week um, at Portugal. So it was just the flat stick really let, let him down. So hopefully it catch fires this week as it did in Madrid. Yeah, no, I agree with an awful lot of that. You've, you've kind of summarised all my feelings uh, on him. I know you've got one more uh, kind of in this range and, and two more at 90s, uh, Brad, so I'll let you come on to those in yes, a sec. Um, Jason, any others for you before we let Brad go into those? Uh, Callum Shankwin. Shankwin. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always a fan of, of, of Shinks when you can um, just smash the ball as far as you want. Um, quite disappointing. I don't think he's, he's record in sort of 
UAE is that good, uh, which I'm really, really surprised about. Again, he's another one we we know he's, he's going to find loads of greens. Um, I mean, he's in progressive form. Um, he's got 39 at the Lynx, 37th at uh, Valderrama and 17th last week at Portugal, which caught my eye anyway. I thought he was a bit better than that halfway through Sunday. Top of my head. He's um, seven out of the last eight completed starts. He's been top 20 in Tita Green. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really tell you anything else you know about Shankwin other, other than he really should have won a lot more, I think, than mm-hmm. he has done. Um, went low at the, in the um, Canaries last year to win. Uh, I, it just sounds about him. He, he reminds me, he's not the same player, but he is a bit Andy Sullivan, Sam Horsfield in that I think he's got the potential to, to shoot very low every single day. Um, it just, for some reason, whatever it is, it sometimes gets to him. I mean, I don't really know why it does, but you look at his seat of green stuff, is amazing. Um, off the tee, again, you look down, it's on tour tips for you. Um, you know, he's top five in, in the majority of his of his efforts. So, you know, he smacks the ball. He can, he's got a great iron game. It's just a belief in, in whether he can, I don't know if it's a mental block or something um, that stops him sort of challenging in, in a bit higher class. But I thought at 66, what we get in seven places, something like that. Um, I thought it was worth talking about, um, as I did. Um, can I do the next one? Sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, Francisco Laporta. Yeah. Um, every time you put up Paratore, I put up Laporta. <laughs> um, I like Laporta. I, I, I think he, um, I think he's got he's got a bit more game than he's showing. Again, recently, fourth in the Irish, where he was high up in Tick Green um, and putting. Fourth in Italy, which was obviously exposed, won by um, uh, Nikolai, who played brilliant last week. Six feet of green, fifteen of putting, six at Wentworth, which was okay. He's not anywhere near as wide as this, but the fact that he can go ninth tee of green there, eighth with his approaches, you know, shows his irons are in fabulous shape. And then obviously seventh in Portugal last week, which I thought would completely ruin his price. I've done a tweet and said that I think he's, he's wrecked his price, and yeah. I, I'm not saying necessarily, but I, I thought if somebody would have put up fifty, I wouldn't have complained. Um, it was 11th in greens in reg last week, 8th in scrambling. Um, it's Sicily form, where he's top 10, which is, um, again, open. Obviously, you've got the likes of Kiros has won it and stuff like that. Comes um, surrounded by Lagergren, Lorenzo Vera, who I know you'll talk about later, Andy Sullivan, Benjamin Heber, and Lucas Beergaard. Um, and I, you know, in terms of relevancy, I think that and Portugal last week are completely relevant. Um, even when he was fourth in the die data, he was level with uh, Burmy. Um, over there in 2018 I just thought the sign last week was yeah here's a man that, that's giving it to you on a plate you know mm-hmm. you should be backing him each way and the fact you can still get 70 to 1 I think is fantastic mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I think you're going to come on and say an awful lot of the same Brad but so before well, I, I echo literally everything Joseph just said yeah and uh, I was definitely not expecting it's a complete value play from me to be honest like, I mean 90 to 1 I got about him and it was just it's just ridiculous with seven places. I was just, it just, I just couldn't believe it. And as Jason said, he's just a player who I think possesses a lot of potential. I don't think we've seen nearly enough of what he's capable of yet. And um, yeah, this is his, he recorded his best ever European Tour finish at this event last year. So as well as his on the back of his performance last week, ninety to one, right? Okay. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what he actually does remind me of somebody like Rosner? He, mm-hmm. he really does. You know, he's the type of player that can do exactly what Rosner did at the end of the year. Yeah. 
And I, and I think the the other thing to say about Laporte is I think he's still just being priced to the player that he was before. Like, you know, he was always someone that came off the Challenge Tour and, you know, in 2019 and had those two wins, won the Grand Tour final. And he'd, he'd kind of had a bit of European Tour exposure before then and not been great. But you look at his best finishes... Uh, on the OWGR website, and they're, they're all kind of in the last two years. You know, the, the two wins on the Challenge Tour, the sixth at Wentworth, the second uh, in this last year, uh, fourth in the Italian Open, seventh in the Italian Open again before that, like fourth in the Irish Open, just consistent, second, seventh in Portugal last week. Like, he's just consistently knocking out top performances now, and I don't think that's kind of been picked up on, so I, I completely echo the Laporta stuff. It's just for me getting greedy I kind of wanted him to be a massive price next week when people think he's got no chance of winning and I think he can just backdoor a, a top eight finish there and, and maybe yeah. that's just silly for me and probably should just take a chance that he can win but Callum Shinkwin as well like you said Jason you know you listened back to the podcast so did I today and, and you said exactly the same sort of things about him that you know, <laughs> it's, it's a perfect perfect event for him but he hasn't shown sense. it in the Middle East has he so um, no I get that Like I think I, I agree with everything again both of those um, I think that, like I said earlier, there's not really negatives about a lot of these. I think Justin Harding's a massive price. People like that, you know, Sharma's been yeah. playing really, really well. There's just so many yeah. strong players around this. You want to go into another one now, Brad at 66 to 1, that, you mm. know, these they're just birdie makers just constantly bucking them out. They've all got to go and get a win before the end of the season. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, Matthew Jordan, I got at 66 to 1, and yeah. um, I was very close to backing him last week in Portugal. So I was kicking myself a bit because I didn't really have much joy of anyone I landed on in the end. But yeah, brilliant performance. And yeah, it was enough to grab my attention for this week. But yeah, as we know with Jordan, he's just a fantastic ball striker. And again, we go back to that word, like similar what we said to Laporta. It's potential, isn't it? It's just bundles of it. But he's had a pretty hit and miss year. But in his last nine starts, he's recorded three top tens. So yeah, I feel like he's finishing pretty strong to the year. Uh, yeah. Finished 37th last year. He opened with a 73, then went on to post rounds of 68, 69, and close with a 66. So he gradually got better as the, the week got on. So, yeah, I quite like the look of that. Yeah, and, I think that's always good to see that they made positive progression, especially towards the mm. end. Like, you never want someone to leave on a sour note and just have memories of a really bad round here from last year. You know, Sullivan... Already, like Jason said, in a bit of bad form, he's then got to come back and knowing that he threw a chance away. Same with Ross Fisher, exactly. uh, Paratore shot a 72 on final day, Robert McIntyre. You know, a lot of them really played poorly when there was a lot of scoring to be done. Um, so I think that, you know, in the reverse to that, you, you've got someone there that has got really positive memories. But you've got another one at 90 to 1, someone that me and Jason yep. have spoken to on the podcast before. Yes, yeah. Uh, I believe David might be going. To, well, sorry, Horsey at ninety to one. Yeah, I believe David might be going a bit under the radar with how well he's been playing recently. Um, hasn't missed a cut since European Masters. Recorded a twelfth place finish in Portugal last week. Stats weren't necessarily amazing. He was ranked twenty fourth to the green, also ranked eighteenth in putting. So his game is in general is looking in good shape. If you look back to like the likes of. Rosner and uh, who did well here last year generally they had a pretty good all-round game um, so I don't know it ticks a few boxes there but he hasn't got the best of records looking in recent years like comp courses but looking back to when he was at the top of his game he had a lot of success at the Trophy Sand and finished eighth at the Abu Dhabi Championship so 
Yeah, last year he finished 22nd on his course and similar to Jordan, he gradually got better as the week went on. So it's another one really hoping he uh, he comes back in good spirits and he, he does well. It's one of those with Horsey and I think Jason will probably agree, you just want him to be on a tight, fiddly track where accuracy means a bit more and, and stuff like that. But like you say, you know, when he shoots 15 under and he's finishing 22nd, he obviously had a, a liking for the course and a, and a better start would have been you know, a platform for greater things, but I assume, Jason, you've got the same sort of thoughts as me on Halsey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, my, my next couple of two picks were 125 to one shots and, and for very different reasons. So Alejandro Canazares is just hitting the ball incredibly well. Uh, you know, I think he's kind of third or in this field in the last eight weeks on tour tips and strokes gain approach. Back-to-back top 25s, he had a third five starts going Holland. And when you look at his Middle Eastern form, it's actually even better than it probably looks on paper. He was fifth in Abu Dhabi, but that week it was Ricky Fowler at one, Peter's second, Stenson and Rory third, Loughton, Spieth, Benian, Seam sharing fifth with him. So a really elite field that week. And then he was also fifth and eighth in Qatar, and on that fifth he was behind Garcia, who won, Ilanen second, Rafa Guerrero-Bredo third, and Olison and Cozier there as well. So just that just kind of highlights to me the kind of company he has been able to keep in the past. He's now striking the ball really, really well. Um, probably better than he normally does. You know, Canazera is the type of guy that flashes in different parts of his game and never seems to be that solid in all of them. But all of a sudden, you've got a third, a 16th, and a 25th in three of his last five starts, a third not that long ago before that as well, seventh at the start of the year, like, when you piece it together, he's actually just had a pretty steady year all round, and it's been a long time since he won, obviously, you know, back to 2014 at the Trophy of Sam, but I just thought that the the potential of his irons this week and his kind of correlative form in the Middle East was uh, pretty impressive at 125 to 1. And then on the flip side of that was Mike Lorenzo Vera, who has no form, really, uh, you know, back... Back-to-back top 25s in Spain, but before that, and, and generally for the most part of the year, he's been pretty poor. But the last time we saw him in contention was here. He was tied second 12 months ago. Shot rounds are 66, 65, 65 over the last three rounds there. And just, you know, he just comes alive in the Middle East. Like, all of his best finishes tend to be around here. Um, and, you know, I just, I just think if he's ever going to win on the European Tour, it's going to be here. You know, he's, what has he got, two... So got a third uh, in the DP World Tour, second and fourth in Qatar, eighth in the Dubai Desert Classic. Like he just loves it here, and even those two miscuts recently, they've just been on or around the number, Jason. And I know you're all, uh, someone that's kind of flagged him up in the past, and we're kind of used to him being in the 66-80s one bracket, maybe a bit shorter, looking for the maiden victory. Now he's kind of doubled the price. Yeah, turns up here, doesn't he? Yeah. What else? What else can you ask for? Yeah. He's a bit of a funny old bloke, isn't he? But um, yeah. You know, um, but hey, uh, yeah. Again, again, why not? It, it, there's a case for him. Um, I, I do think he wafts a bit in front, but um, or when he's in a challenging position. But uh, as have Bland, as has you know Winter before, and, and this seems to be the um, you know, and obviously you know Peter's won for the first time in God knows how long this year. So it's potentially the year of the um, wafty bloke, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so why why not? I mean, look, you, as you say, you're, you're chasing seven places. You, you know, 
you only need to get placed to, to get paid a few quid, didn't you? So, yeah, that, that's the thing. Whereas before, you kind of needed him to win to get a really good bet out of him. Like now, you can afford for him just to place and get that kind of Sunday charge, which I think he's accustomed to doing. Um, I didn't have any more picks after this. I don't know if you did, Jason, but just a yeah. couple of names that, that I want to throw out before you go on to yours is uh, Christopher Broberg, 125 to 1. Uh, Podrick Harrison 115, Ollie Wilson 225. So all kind of people that have been flashing and kind of on the long short list, but didn't quite make it for me. But I'll let you go on to yours, Jason. Um, I don't quite understand why last week's tied seconds are the prices that they are. Um, Lucas Beargard for one, um, who struggled a bit on Saturday late, but just has, for me, is, is, is just... It, it, look, he won't mind being amongst the cases and the Fleetwoods or anything like that. Um, obviously, last week was a great return to form, but, you know, loved it. Uh, but he's been showing signs. Obviously, he had those 267s uh, the week before. But just look at his overall form. I mean, he's won the Lynx, he's won Portugal. He's got form um, in Amman. He's obviously got that Sicily form, which I love for this little little run that we've got. Um, it was great last week. He's got the length off the tee. Um I'm struggling to see why why there's a negative against Biergaard, except that he came second, bizarrely. And Pavon, I thought, I actually was really impressed with him last week. Yeah. He, he let it go completely, and then and then he came back. Um, and obviously, you know, he boots the thing an absolute mile, um, so he's going to really suit here. Uh, again, it's a wonder whether, you know, has he has he finally found it? He's obviously got the top 12 in Dubai anyway. Uh, in fact, he's got two. He's got an uh, 11th and a 13th. Um, once in the Desert Classic and once in the World Tour Champs. So um, I, I just wondered whether that might give him a bit more confidence because he didn't get blown away. He could have easily lost it. I mean, when he, yeah, I mean, to be fair, both he and Peters sort of nosed up in there majorly a couple of their holes. But I can't remember what he, I can't remember the hole that he did now, but he came on, on the hardest hole in the course on the par three that straight after, went straight for the pin and knocked it to two and a half feet. Yeah. And uh, knocked the putt in. I'm really impressed. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's just his overall game was... Again, do you get carried away? You've got these maidens like Pavon, you've got maidens like Moron, you've got maidens like that that you can sometimes, you know, just get carried away. But um, mm -hmm. 90 to 1. Yeah, do you know what? If I'm going to stay away from the top of the market, it, it doesn't have to be in the win market. I suppose you can look at top 10s and stuff like that. But, yeah, both of those are <laughs> flying form. In Portugal, which is fine... I don't understand why they were the prices. And just one more, uh, Ollie Wilson. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, for the first time ever, um, look, you've got you. You have to pick out his best of his form, but he's clearly back. Um, and he says on Twitter that he was disappointed with his side twelve last week. Yeah. Called a penalty on himself on Saturday, so he's definitely been top ten. Yes, we worry about his putting. He, he seems to brick it, doesn't he, uh, when it counts on the putting. But again, two hundred twenty-five to one. You know. What's the top twenty going to be? You know, um, top ten, top twenty. I, I, I think he's a massive price two twenty-five. I like people in form at this time of year, um, mm. and it's not as if you've gone. It's not as if you've gone like Valderrama to here. You, you've you've slowly progressed to sort of uh, more open courses. You've gone Valderrama. You've gone Mallorca. You've gone Portugal. Although both of those are actually a lot more difficult than than I think the scores indicated. Um, I like people that are progressing in that form and. And therefore, that's why I've got Pierre, guys, why I've got Pavon. And why not have Arthur Pence each way and Ollie Wilson? Uh, don't expect him to win, but you know, I'll have a look at top 10 and top 20, definitely. 
I think the thing with oh, Wolves... Oh, shit, one more, one more. <laughs> how, can I, how can I... I'm sorry, I don't know how I've left this off. I do apologise, Brad. Sebastian Soderberg. They have just priced him on last week. And that's it. His, his Tita Green effort and his play at uh, Valderrama and Mallorca was stunning. I mean, I haven't been impressed. I mean, maybe Victor Perez at Wentworth last year. Um, I've been impressed in somebody... Um, hitting the ball just like him. I just thought he was stunning those two weeks. Um, and I'm prepared to forgive him last week. And um, I'm going to take 90. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. I think slightly contrasting views in, in Bjerregaard, I think that he wasn't quite... In, like He even admitted himself his game wasn't really there, which is good in one sense that the upside, you know, when it does come, is going to be a win because he managed to finish second and third when he didn't have his best. Um, you know that when his you know, tee screen game is backfiring, he's going to contend and win in bigger tournaments. So there is that. I just wonder if the outpouring emotion and, and the being back in the battle was, was kind of hard on him. Got, he's got his job done and maybe needs a week to get over that and comes back stronger in a more loaded field at a bigger price. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just getting greedy. But Pavon, I thought that like, it was two bad holes. Like He wasn't... Yeah. He wasn't crap like throughout the day like any other maiden Victor could be. For the first nine, ten holes, whatever it was, before he went in the water, um, he was rock solid and, and he'd never been there before. He'd never had a fifty four hole lead. I think he'd barely had a thirty six hole lead. So he's he was in uncharted territory. I thought he was really good, made two terrible swings, admittedly, and, and went into the water, what was it, three times on the back nine. So he made the mistakes, but I think he's the type that could go again. And, and the person that did go again after a poor Saturday was Batazio shot 67 as well. So I think that there's there's credit for all three of those guys there, despite the fact I'm not going to go on any of them. Um, Brad, I don't know if you've got anything to add on those three. But for me, I thought they all did well in certain aspects, but just they just mm. missed out for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Batazio actually was uh, the one who uh, I feel... He was just... He's just excellent, wasn't he? Um, was it... A, I think it was number one in approach last week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for me, he he appealed he appealed the most out of the out of the three. But yeah, he's uh, went to his head after that after that start a bit. But yeah, now I can make you can you can literally look at all of them and think I don't know how they're they're priced up the way they are. There's definitely value to take all of them. Really, I mean, I'd look at them if, you, if I was pricing it up. I wouldn't I wouldn't have them um, the price that they are personally. Um, but yeah, so I think I think they are. They represent value. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're just they're pricing them based on the fact they they think they can't win because they had can't, you know yeah. a, a bad round, and I don't think that's fair. I think you know we see so many times that people struggle to back up what Batazio did on Thursday, and 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 for the most part he did. He just had you know one bad round. Naturally, on this show we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focused on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their Lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the Performance Package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. 
In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120. And again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Moving on to the Houston Open. Um, second time at this golf course. Moved here to Memorial Park last year. Recently renovated by Tom Doak and allegedly Brooks Kepka. I don't know if he actually did anything or just stood there and went yes, yes and yes. But he was there by all means. Um, he was the deciding factor of taking the bunkers out and putting in the runoff areas. He wanted it longer. He wanted it tougher, whatever. Um, it's funny, I listened back to a lot of podcasts earlier um, to try and get, I listened obviously back to ours and what we'd said, um, but it's a bit of a rush podcast last year and when I listened to others, everyone thought it was going to be a low scoring event, everyone kind of took it as it was going to be bombs away and you know it was going to be 25 under or whatever and it turned out to be one of the tougher tests all year, you know, 13 under par, Ortiz won it. Um, and it was impressive. I really liked the golf course. You know, when I looked at the, the, the comparisons for the courses that I made, um, it, it screams a, a really quality test. I mean, Texas form is just going to hold up wherever you go in Texas, I think. But Riviera was was a, a position obvious comp for me. You know, Dustin Johnson, two-time winner and runner-up at Riviera, and he finished tied second. Matsuyama, the same. Riviera, you know, fourth, fifth, ninth, eleventh, and twenty-third. There was second here. Um, Carlos Ortiz obviously won at 26th, 20th and 9th place finish at Riviera before winning Sam Burns was the 56th and 54th hole leader uh, at Riviera this year and the 54th hole leader in Houston last year um, so he loved it Taylor Gooch had had top 12, two top 12 finishes at Riviera before finishing 4th uh, here so there was a lot of you know correlation for that event uh, the Phoenix Open as well Carlos Ortiz last two finishes were 4th and 25th there Hideki Matsuyama, I don't really need to say about his Phoenix record, it's ridiculous. Um, Brooks Kepka again, two-time winner there. And Adam Long was fifth going into the final round in Phoenix in 2020 and finished eighth. So, And he played well here last year. Mm-hmm. And then, strangely, I had the 3M Open. So Carlos Ortiz finished fifth at the 3M before winning here. Sam Burns was seventh at the 3M Open before being a 54-hole leader here. Sepp Stracker and Taylor Gooch had 18th place finishes, which were relevant at the time because... You know, they hadn't had many and both finished top five here. Adam Long was second at the 3M before finishing 11th. Michael Thompson won the 3M and finished 15th here, went out of form. Uh, Maverick McNeely, 16th at the 3M uh, this year, but he was second after 54 holes. And he was 20th last year after back-to-back 67s here. So I just thought there was a lot of crossover in those, those events there particularly. So when you look at those group of events... It strikes to me as long irons, Augusta type, going into runoff greens, you know, fast Bermuda putting. So it should lead to a top grade winner. You know, Carlos Ortiz, I guess, doesn't fall in that bracket yet, but was really impressive in front of Matsuyama and Dustin Johnson. Uh, and you come to Sam Burns, a 16 to 1 favourite, who's a completely different player than he was when he was leading here last year. Scotty Scheffler looking for his maiden victory at 18s. Sung JM 22s, Matthew Wolf and Cameron Smith 25s, along with Tony Finau. And then Terrell Hatton is 28. Uh, Jason, I'll come to you first this time. Any of those appeals you at the top of the market? Very strong, aren't they? Hmm. Uh, it sounds very... I mean, you know, never never a year ago would you say that Sam Burns would have gone off, <sighs> would have gone off jolly in a, in, a, in a... Certainly not half the price of the Terrell Hatton or Brooks Kepka. So yeah, respect to Burns, but that's a ridiculous price, and, you know. 
I think we were we were talking about back in at twenty five, twenty eight for the um, Barbasol or Bermuda or something like that last yeah. year when he was. I mean, players improve, granted. Um, I'd put him in front of Scheffler because I, I like Scotty Scheffler, but I'm not entirely convinced that he's got the game when it comes down to nitty gritty at the moment. Missed some poor putts um, yesterday, didn't he? He he, he just. Mm lets it go I mean you know he's been doing it for a long time he's done it in the match play didn't he um, it just seems to get to him he seems to have one way of playing and uh, this course is going to punish you you know like you say they're, they're, you know, they're all runoffs. there's something about overseeding and all this but I mean you know you can just get too complicated can't you Jeff hmm. um, doesn't convince me with his short game Burns is, a, is, a, is better than that I, I'm not a fan of Matt Wolf. Smith I understand that, that, but again I think he's short um, no, none of them. Uh, <laughs> no, basically, I'd, I'd be honest with you. I think I think the best value of the top lot and is is Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I mean, look, I love Matthew Wolf, and and I think that the, you know, we've got different opinions on him altogether. But seventeenth, second, and fifth uh, in three starts this season. You said to me, like Mike, over for this. I'm not particularly fussed about it, but I thought that it was impressive that he finished fifth there on a course I didn't think would suit him. And now it comes to a course I think will, um, you know, the three of them. There's anything in that correlation? That's obviously the site of his lone victory, and he was 12th there the year before as well. Um, hasn't played well at Phoenix and Riviera and places like that, even Augusta, you know, before. But I think when you look back in 10 years' time, they will be places that he he performs admirably at. Um, and I think that he just has that kind of power in his bag that will allow him to hit the long approaches he needs to hit here. He hits some beautiful irons uh, at the Mayakoba. He hits his driver really well most times. Um, and I think he's a really streaky putter. So everything points to me being a good bet on Matthew Wolf at 25 to 1. Uh, mm. Brad, I know you were speaking to me about uh, Cameron Smith and Jason obviously respects yeah, him. But, but, yeah, but like Jason, it's, it's tough to it's tough to go there. You know, I'm not, I don't think there really is that much juice in the 25 to 1, to be honest. It's... It is really tough to find um, the value at the top of the board. Well, for me, I've had, I've had a massive struggle just with this event, to be honest. It's uh, I've only settled on a few. Um, but yeah, Cam, Cam Smith sort of fits the bill a little bit for me. You know, it's going to be tough scoring. Um, and yeah, I just feel like he's just been in incredible form. And I think it's this time of year where he really does uh, start to light it up. So if you're a believer in that, but yeah, I haven't I haven't got there as of yet. But he's someone that um, he ticks a few boxes to me that might he might go well here. The, um, yeah. The thing with Cameron Smith is that he does look short, and and I agree, and and I prefer the upside of Matthew Wolf uh, just because of his type of game. I think Cameron Smith has to do has to approach this slightly differently, and I don't like that way of doing it. But you look at Cameron Smith's you know record over the last what year or so. Uh, going back to this time last year, he was second at the Masters, wasn't he? Uh, fourth in Riviera, uh, ninth at the Heritage, and then you come down to recent, you know, recent weeks, and he was fifth at the FedEx St Jude, which he probably arguably should have won, but had a yeah. poor final round. He was second, uh, losing out to Tony Finau in the playoff at the Northern Trust, and he was ninth uh, on his first start of the season at the CJ Cup. All realistically, he could have turned those into Definitely. wins, and that's. I guess I that's that, the upside is what you're buying into. Yeah, and I thought it was really impressive, you know, after quite a big break, like first start of the season at the CJ Cup, just just showed up, didn't he? And he just, uh, 
yeah, no, I think he, he's not someone after a break. You, you know, some people, they sort of take a bit to get back into it. So he's just, uh, I have no hesitation taking him. It's just, I just probably would like a bit more. I, I, I still might get there, but yeah, maybe. May, maybe I will get there. But um, yeah, I'm not overly sold on the price. Let's just put it like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Taylor Gooch and, and Aaron Wise are in the next sort of step in the betting for me that mm. people I'm desperate to be on the side with, but just when they're this price, it, it just feels hard, you know. Mm. Uh, Taylor Gooch, I've already mentioned, has got that great form at Riviera. Um, he, he was fourth in this uh, in the last two years, so he's had it on both courses, and, and I thought that was really impressive as well. And Aaron Wise has just been absolutely superb for, for a decent amount of time now. Um Adam Scott was another one for me that appealed. You know, he plays all the correlative places really, really well. He's in decent form again. But in the end, I went with Carlos Ortiz over these uh, with a slight note that maybe there's something to worry about with his shoulder. But we just see that he is just brilliant at coming back to the same places year on year. I mean, his record at Mike Cobra is ridiculous, isn't it? He's got two seconds there and an eighth and just keeps going back there and and I just think that he's done that at the Genesis you know earlier in his career when he wasn't so good maybe and you know I think his Houston form you know first and fourth that will hold up again should he be fit so yes he's only 33 to 1 in a decent field but I was happy to take a chance on that any thoughts Jason on any of those um no I, I think I think um Brad's got a point I think it is uh, quite difficult I've got a few written again Brooks is yeah. Brooks is the one that, that for some reason stands out, but I'm quite happy to uh, ignore him um, at the top lot. Uh, Ortiz, yeah, you know, what? Um, Mexico's number one player, yeah? Yeah. Um, um, again, look, I mean, Adam Scott called this course relentless. Did you have to be straight off the tee, you have to hit the green and red, you have to have a short game. Um, and then you look at Patrick Reed at 40, um, and then you look at his current form, it's dire. Um, but when it does get tough, obviously, you know, Reed comes about. So there's some down there. When you look at, as I said, the likes of Sheffler at 18, it's ridiculous, you know. Um, and you go down to somebody like Reed at 40. I looked at Henley, um, but his short games are. Loves the event, doesn't he? He does. It's all about playing with him, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, obviously, he won Redstone, and over three months, he's 12th in driving accuracy, 9th in greens and reg. 23rd in ball striking but can you trust him if he does miss a green and you can't um, Leishman again Patrick Reed type character obviously won the Zurich um, which is on Bermuda greens if I'm not mistaken and he's got we know what Leishman does you know he's totally exposed former on Torrey's former Travellers former St Jude all the, all the top stuff you know if it comes down to a grind it's him you know so that's why I look back and go well Cam Smith at 25 or, or the likes of Reed and Leishman at 40 I just think yeah. Well, Reed, Reed, what was he? Twenty-two to one, I think he was, or twenty-fives in Bermuda, and everyone was kind of like, "Well, he's in terrible form." But then he obviously finished second there, and everyone looked felt when like he got were, hard. Yeah, when he got. Yeah. And 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 I think what you're saying is that you can't anticipate him doing the scoring that he needs to do for, you know, let's say he has to mm. shoot level fours every day. That I don't think he's quite in the form to put that all together. I think that if if the wind suddenly got up, or you know, they they tuck some pins and short game really counted for a lot then 41 might look big but I think I think for me I think he was probably priced right and even with someone like Ortiz shorting him I was quite happy to take that um, yeah. you mentioned to me in a message earlier about Seamus Power Jason oh sorry. yeah Seamus Power is your knock of the week 
<laughs> as an each way bet, mate. Knock of the week. He's absolutely flying. Um, I haven't actually looked. I've, on purpose, I did look at what um, Brad's put up for this, but Powell would be one I would think would be in his his thing. Um, it's probably not. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, mean, I haven't actually got there yet, Jason. I'm a proper uh, behind it this week. Yeah, I'm actually contemplating. But no, obviously I looked at power as well. But also Mackenzie Hughes was one I was yeah. contemplating as well. Power 46 rounds, nothing over 72. 32 of those 46 rounds, 32 of them in the 60s. Progressive form, you know, since he's won. Since, I mean, he's gone missing, didn't he? He went missing for ages. Uh, came back and he's just absolutely flying. Um, doing enough in, in tournaments that are, are very significant and, and are very tough. So look, it's, it's in front of you anyway. Top 20, uh, the Travellers, uh, which links in you know a lot of the tougher players in here. Rocket Mortgage, you mentioned Tom. Uh, eighth, eighth at John Deere, Texas. Obviously won the Barber Soul. It's not as good a tournament, but you know you can win. Then everyone thought, oh, OK, he's gone at the game now. He's gone back, he'll hide a bit. And then came back in October, uh, 21st at the Shriners, 12th at Bermuda, 11th in Mexico. So we know he goes on, on Bermuda-type greens. Yeah. I, I just think he's flying. I, I think he's ready to contend in much better class. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, he is the... Like, he's a sort of... Laporta, I think, is the bet over there. And I think Power is the bet over here. Can't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's tight. It's his tied ninth in Texas at the Byron Nelson, isn't it? That, stand, that kind of stands out for me yeah. as something mm-hmm. to to look at. Um, again, we've shameless power. I guess you've got to weigh up whether you think this is a, a hot run of form or whether this is his level. And when you look at how long he's sustained it for, I mean, I know you know it doesn't doesn't strike you as a long time, but going back to May of this year, um, for when he kind of got on that run again, ninth for the Byron Nelson two 19th place finishes, eighth, eighth, and then a win. If he hadn't got that win and taken advantage of that form, you might have got a bit concerned in that weaker field, but he did. He, he took advantage of playing in the Barbasol, went on a little bit of a uh, a struggle in the, in the Wyndham Northern Trust, etc. but just come straight back out of the gates again, 21st, 12th, 11th, which is really impressive. Um, I didn't go for him just because I like someone else uh, a similar price, just because of the correlative form, but... I could easily get myself into a bit of a hole here, especially if the, if the courses aren't correct. But Max Homer, for me, was a, was a massive shout. I think that the fact that he'd won at Riviera and finished fifth the year before, he'd finished third and sixth at the, uh, the 3M and Phoenix Opens, respectively, in 2020, um, won the Fortinet Championship starts the season. Um, I just think that there's a great chance of, of him kicking on and taking advantage of a course that looks right up his alley. Um, you know, even his win at Wells Fargo was uh, an emphasis on longer irons, and that's something that you'd suggest needed here for the tougher par fours. He only managed a tied 48 finish last year, Brad, but that was coming off the back of poor form where he travelled from Bermuda uh, and was playing in his first Masters the following week, whereas this time he's had a sort of a mini break uh, and can focus all his attention on the event that should suit. Certainly not. No, I can't disagree with that, mate. Not at all. Yeah, oh, that was where I, that's where I was sort of he was kind of what you said about Grant Forrest. He for me was the kind of standout bet. Like Carlos Ortiz just felt very very obvious to me at the top mm-hmm. of the market. So did Matthew Wolf, but I kind of felt Max Homer just ticked all those boxes for me. So I was kind of happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> other people I considered here: were Cameron Tringali, who 
at some point it's going to have to get this over the line and get a a victory. Um, But like you say, like you're saying there, he is the same price as Seamus Power you've just been speaking about. He's shorter than Max Homer, who we've just been speaking about, who's got three victories over the last two years. Um, You know, you've got a major champion in Shane Lowry, bigger than him. You've got Jason Kokrak with two victories, bigger than him. Like, how many times... I get that he's in good current form, and I get that maybe you're buying into the the fact that maybe he's not as volatile as some of the others around him, so he can sneak into the eighth place finish more often than not. I guess it's all done on, on formulaic things like that, but... I want someone with winning upside in the 40-50s one range. And I thought he was actually pretty impressive at the Zozo. I think that Hideki kind of was going to win that. But he did have those late bogeys as well, which kind of are typical of Cameron Tringali. And it's been long enough now. It's not like we're talking about Scotty Scheffler who's been out here two years and needs to get his win. It's Cameron Tringali has been out here for a decade and hasn't got his win. So that was why I kind of left him out. Um, and then my other kind of picks were kind of in the three figures. So I don't know, Jason, have you got any others before Brad goes into his? No, I've got um, two, three, well, three of interest, but they are three figures, yeah. Yeah. Brad, any for you before we get into the, the triple digit um, range? Yeah, this, I don't know. I don't know if 50 to one is the best price about that, uh, but um, yeah, I, t- I took the uh, Zidenhout at 50 to one, um, obviously coming off a really good performance in Mexico, um, finished tied 15th. He's not the longest off the tee, and obviously you look at this course and you think, yeah, it definitely helps to pack a punch. But he's a very tidy player, isn't he? And uh, possesses a fantastic short game. It's just a player I like to take when in tough scoring conditions. So um, as you've learned in the past, he's just brilliant with the flat stick, and particularly on Bermuda greens. So these fast and tricky Bermuda greens are just they're going to cause players lots of problems all week. Possibly will be what causes the most problems. So, um, yeah, he just has a knack of avoiding bogeys. He's, got, he's always had a great bogey avoidance. Like If you look for his stats throughout the seasons, and uh, he showed that last week, I think he only dropped seven bogeys, which is not as good as my other pick, Aaron Rye, um, who only dropped... <laughs> which is another speculative one. But, yeah, I thought 100, 150 to one. I mean, eight places... I mean, come on. He only dropped two bogeys, I think. Was it? No, four bogeys last week. And again, he's just a bit like Bez. I like to take these tidy players. You know, they don't give away too much. These cheap shots, they just don't give them away. And when it's when it's tough, the only problem with both of them is they're not long off the tee. Like, either of them are not, not that long. But look, if it gets tough out there, I think they're two people I like to have on my card. You know, I think they, I don't think they'll really go too far wrong. And they might hopefully get up there. They're both itching to, uh, with a point to prove. And they're both off of a great performance in Mexico last week, which they were looking to build on. So, yeah, speculative, but I like both of them. I really do. Jason, I'm guessing by the big side there, was Aaron Rye <laughs> one of yours that you were going to put up? Right. Um, so, obviously, you know I'm doing a new kind of golf WRX. And I'm yep. doing some sort of prop bets or side bets, as we call them, properly over here. Um, and, yeah, Aaron Rye was one of them. I, I was ready to say, I was ready to say about Bez, we've got Aaron Rye. Um, yeah, I know that yeah, Bez is, is a better overall player, but, um, you know, there are levelling factors. And, yeah, Aaron Rye is going to be uh, one of the top 20 prop bets um, that mm. I'll put up there. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, everything he just said. Um, you know, you go back to where he's won, you know, Hong Kong, he beat uh, Fitz in a playoff. Um, obviously, he's won in Scotland, beat Fleetwood. 
should have won the Irish, got beat by Catlin, who's another sort of, if you like, we consider a hard course um, short game wizard. You know, he won it, mm-hmm. his very first win was Kenya back on the Challenge Tour, but he won three on the season. He, his short game is miles better than he is showing. Um, and maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. It's, it's obviously something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with, I'm with Brad. I thought, I, I'm not, I don't think he can win, and therefore I won't back him each way. But he is going to be a, depending on prices, top 10, top 20, top 30, whatever it is. <coughs> so yeah, Aaron Rye is one of them. Um, do you want me to do the other two quickly? Yeah, Tom? go on, mate. Yeah, Martin Laird. Yeah. Who uh, loves a tough course, loves desert. He's 150. Uh, 19th in total driving, 16th in accuracy, 22nd in ball striking over the last three months, which works beautifully for here. 19th in scrambling again. He's got that tied third and tied fifth in Phoenix, um, which I really, really like. Again, nobody knows when he's going to turn up, but 151, I'm prepared to take the chance that he'll do it. Um, just a shame there's no bunker for him to be plugged in. <laughs> you can chip in from and the other one you've mentioned already Tom which I actually think is, is will be my sort of uh, side bet of the week is Adam Long yeah. Um, yeah you know you've already mentioned him quite a lot 11th last year uh, plays Texas very very well um, obviously 11th on the other course in uh, was he 11th on the other course 11th on this wasn't he yes um, sorry uh, won the Desert Classic behind him there was Mickelson uh, Rahm Cantley um, you can't get much better than that 8th uh, in Phoenix 220 Tied second, tied third in Mayakoba. Grew up in New Orleans. He knows how to play a tough course. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, yeah, I, I could see him being high double figures. So I thought 110, 125 was, was worth mm. looking at. Again, the top 10s, top 20s, top 30s, whatever it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I completely agree with that. I think just adding on to, your, to Martin Laird bit there, he's always been good in Texas. He's, like you say, he's got those good uh, finishes in Phoenix. He's also played well at Riviera in the past top 10 there. So um, I think he ticked a lot of boxes. Uh, Adam Long is someone I'll always be a fan of. I'll always back. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. I like Adam a he's, lot. He's good, Brad, isn't he? And he, he is. And he seems to like what you just said about Carlos Ortiz, who's a lot shorter in the he's market. Another, he's another one of those players who just shows up in certain spots, doesn't he? You know, he's one of those. You know where it's going to be, don't you? You know it's going to be yeah. consistent. Whereas I think you guys are speculating a little bit on so like Bazuin and Rye where they yeah. could play well like this this is something that they could do because some people confuse tough scoring with like having to be like over par or five under like Bez and Rye shoot 14 15 17 under to win but they do it on courses where that's by three or four strokes and mm-hmm. th- that does fit the model here but I do think like the concerns you've both put out there especially with Rye I just think that the distance of the tee here is not Whereas in birdie fests, it's really beneficial because you've got more chances of making eagle and birdies and you don't need to worry about rough. I think I think you genuinely need distance here to almost that's, survive. That's my biggest concern with both yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and, and I would take them because I'd kill myself if <laughs> otherwise because yeah. I do really strongly fancy them. But that they are the two um, cons- uh, yeah, the concerns for both of them that I, I highlighted. Yeah. Absolutely. I, think. I agree with all of that. I think, I think that there's... I think it's one of those ones again like I said to you earlier we were struggling to break down both of these fields and I think that there's just a lot of options because there's a strong top of the market again obviously not as strong as Mike Hober but it's a you know better event left before the RSM I think and you know there's there's some decent betting to be had but I kind of went for a little trio of, of 150 160 to one shots now and 
the first one that was the definitive one for me was James Hahn. Um, and a lot of it was based on on the correlative form. And I know he's not the longest of the tee, so it's slightly contradiction myself. That he's 40 years of age, so it's not like he's a, a young gun by any means. But his two victories come at Riviera and Quail Hollow, both require that kind of long iron game. Uh, he was third at the Byron Nelson uh, and fifth as well in Texas, so he's played really well in that part of the world. Tenth and eleventh in Phoenix, and if you cast your mind back to when Brooks won at the start of the year, Hahn actually had a three-shot lead going into the back nine uh, and just completely squandered it. But this was all kind of the back of a really tough 2019 for him where he had like an elbow injury that kept him out for, I think, nine months. So there was a lot of pressure on him at that time, and I think now he's just coming back in. He's off the back of, what, two top 27 finishes. Uh, he was fifth at the Barbasol not long ago as well. So I think there's plenty to like about James Hahn. You know where he's going to play well, and this is probably one of them. Keith Mitchell... Uh, was terrible here last year. He shot 78-76 to miss the cut. But he's been third and sixth for the Byron Nelson. Um, you know, when he when he was playing here last November, he'd not had a top 20 finish since his fifth at the Bay Hill. Um, and that was that was really, really poor. So this time around, he's got a recent top five to his name in the CJ Cup. He was tied third. Um, he's got a further two top eight finishes in his last seven events. So the fifth at the 3M Open, which is correlating... The 8th at the Northern Trust, which kind of stands out as a playoff event. I thought those were kind of really impressive on someone that could be a bit of a long shot. Um, and the other one was Wyndham Clark, who he is very volatile. Like, this is a guy that bombs it and was putting, you know, I think it was, was it three or four years ago that he was the best putter on tour. He was absolutely superb, whatever. But he's been 8th and 17th for Riviera. Um, he played pretty well. I think he shot 61 to open Phoenix, you know, not too long ago and, and kind of threw it away. But he's kind of got the potential to score on these type of golf courses. So it is a bit of a punt, but he had a fifth at the 3M Open. So again, if that 3M Open has no indication whatsoever and it was just pure coincidence, then a lot of my stuff isn't going to stand up. But I think for me, that those were kind of flyers I'd be interested in. James Hahn was the, the solidified pick with... Mitchell and Clark kind of respect as long shots. I liked Jason's shout of Martin Laird um, and respect the other ones that you put in. But is there any real flyers for you, Jason, in this sort of area of the market? You know, kind of like 200, 300 one bigger? No. no. Anything for you, Brad, at all? Um, there's one more. That's, I've just actually just checked on Ozchecker. His price has just disappeared. Uh, <laughs> but I had him. I've already took him, thankfully. I took Pendriff at 150 to 1 yeah. with Sky, eight places. Um, but yeah, I've. He missed the cut last week in Mexico, opened with a 76, then responded with a 68. But I mean, he was coming off that previous week in Bermuda where, you know, it was only that final round that let him down. So that, how often do we see that? You know, you go, when your head's gone, after you've thrown away a potential title, you sort of, uh, you you do throw a wobbly round in your next event, don't you? Or It can go either, either way, but yeah, he's always possessed a good bogey avoidance stats from when I've always followed him like on the Corn Ferry Tour always he's always had a good short game and up until last week he was ranked 49th obviously last week's performance put a bit of uh, damage on that in bogey avoidance um, but he's brilliant off the tee and he hits it an absolute mile and yeah as I said really good short game so good in tough conditions did well in the Corn Texas Corn Ferry event last year I think he's in the top 20, the Verabank. Um, 
So, yeah, I think he was excellent value at 150 to 1. I thought that was really generous, but I don't think you can get that at all anymore. I think there might be 125s about. But I thought, you know, I think that's just off the basis of a missed cut last week. Um, I thought his price has really, um, you know, drifted. Yeah, I like him. The the TPC San Antonio events that he's got on his record, I'm, I'm guessing they're not Texas. He's got two runner-up finishes, one at San, TPC San Antonio Challenge at the Canyons and Champions at the Oaks. I'm not sure if they are, um, I don't think they are San Antonio, Texas. So I need to look into that. But if they are, then yeah. obviously that would be uh, an, a nice addition there. But I think they, judging by the names of at the Canyons and at the Oaks, they might not be the, mm-hmm. the San Antonio that I'm thinking of because the TPC San Antonio is the Valero Texas Open course. Um, yeah. But I just wonder where they might have gone there for the Corn Ferry last year. Um, other than that, folks, I don't really think there was there was too much that I wanted to add. I think that the the top of the market is strong enough that I think that the winner will come from that. I think, you know, we saw Carlos Ortiz, who was in form when he came here last year, holding off um, Dustin Johnson and Hideki Matsuyama. But Sam Burns is obviously up there now after a, you know, a complete turnaround in his career. And although he does look short, I don't know what price you can make him. So all of a sudden, the, the top of the market is really strong. I obviously like two of those, but, but you know, sub 40 as well. So I'm not really looking too far away. My favourite is probably Max Homer in, in terms of bets uh, in value in this market. Um, and I don't feel the need to go any further. So what I'll do is I will summarise my selections on the European Tour and let you folks get yours prepared as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean Burmeister for me at 28 to 1. He was when I was looking for seven places. Uh, there was some 33 to 1 about as well. Grant Forrest at 50 to 1, seven places. JB Hansen, 55 to 1, six places. And then Alejandro Canazares and Mike Lorenzo Vera, 125 to 1. Uh, Jason, your picks in the Dubai Championship for me, please. Uh, Lucas Beargard, 60 ish. Caleb Shankman, 60. Laporte is the best bet at 70 odd. Though Brad, I mean, that's what it is now, so we have to clear it. Mm-hmm. Um, Soderberg, who I've mistakenly backed twice now, I've just realised, around <laughs> uh, about 90. Uh, Pavon at 90, and Ollie Wilson in some format, 225 or whatever, 10 to 1, top 20, whatever, something like that. Yeah, Brad, your picture us in the Dubai Championship as well? Yep, so I've gone with Cabrera Bello, 33 to 1. Uh, Victor Perez, 45 to 1. Uh, my favourite bet out of the lot is Forrest at 60 to 1. Um, Matthew Jordan, 66 to 1. Um, and I'm sorry, these are prizes that I got them out. They might not be available anymore. But Laporta, I got a 90s, but as Jason just said, I think 70s is now available. And uh, Horsey, 90 to 1. So, yeah, they're my picks. Yep, absolutely. Um, over for me in, in the Houston Open, I really like Matthew Wolf and Carlos Ortiz at the top of market at 25 to 1 and 35 to 1, respectively. There was some 44 to 1 about Matthew Wolf on the exchange this morning when I tweeted out, but uh, obviously that's been and gone since the price has come out. Uh, Max Homer at 50s, I think he is about six, seven places. Uh, take the seven places, 50s rather than six places uh, at 60s. Um, and then for me, it was kind of a collection of long shots with James Hahn, the favourite out of that, 125 to 1. Um, Jason, any more for you? Um, I think if he's right, Brooks Kepka will win this easily, um, but I don't know how to play him ever. Um, so I'm just going to watch him in at 30. Um, so uh, uh, Seamus Tower is my uh, better week over there at around 50 55. 
and some uh, like being the columns and prop bets or whatever you want to call them on Martin Laird, Aaron Wright and Adam Long. Yep, just realised I've done myself some massive disservice on James Harney's 150 to 1, eight places. Um, Brad, your selections so far yep. for the Houston Open? I've still got work to do here, but the ones I've placed is uh, Beside now at 50 to 1 um, and Aaron Wright at 150 to 1. Not sure if that's there anymore because I placed at the same time as Pendrith at 151, which isn't there anymore. So I think that the best you can get for that is 110s, possibly now or 125s. But they're my three so far, but yeah, I've still got work to do here. And there's one more player I, I like, but as a place bet, which I didn't mention, is uh, Andrew Novak. Yeah, Andrew Novak as a top 20, top 30 yeah, he's uh, another one off the Corn Ferry Tour. He started to play, uh, got his best finish last week, and another one that has had a bit of success in Texas on the Corn Ferry Tour in the past. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Just to say, just read a tweet. Vincent Norman, who we were watching as, as was it you, Brad, who put him up as one of the ones to follow? Somebody was getting very excited who came. Sky likes Vincent uh, Norman, doesn't he? Yeah, he's uh, yeah, tied second, second at the Corn Ferry final stage, so you ain't going to see him over there. <laughs> yeah, that's his that's his place now for the future. He could be on the PGA Tour in a year's time potentially. Um, Jason, your your favourite players this week, or your favourite plays, should I say? Seamus Power at fifty to one. Uh, I'm just looking at Laporta at fifty to one, just as an example. That's a two thousand six hundred to one double if you fancy uh, putting it out there. But um, you know that there's there's two of your favourite plays. Just just because you've decided to be putting up first and second place finishes all all over the last couple of fortnights or so, um, it might just be worth highlighting highlighting that as a double to the listeners. Um, I'd, I'd look at make the cup double to, to more than anything else. To go to. <laughs> let's 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 go for uh, optimism rather than pessimism, which is not something that we're used to on this podcast. <laughs> Fortunately, Tom, uh, us pessimists are never disappointed. No, absolutely not. Look, guys, thank you very much as ever. Jason, thank you for coming along, as you always do. Brad, uh, it was really nice to have you on board, and thank you again for coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll get to hear you more often in the future. Mm-hmm.